Um, I moved to Wilson about a year ago and I'm an attorney in town, which is gonna be actually be relevant in a few minutes. So we're gonna continue this series that we started a few weeks ago about the foundations of the faith. And what we've been talking about are these pivotal things that we need to understand in order to be able to know and to share our faith. Okay, so we talked about things like who Jesus is, what salvation is, and tonight we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard about the Holy Spirit before? Okay, it's like most people, right? Now the Holy Spirit is referred to a few different ways depending on when you or where you talk about him. Some people refer to him as Holy Spirit. Some people refer to him as Holy Ghost. And in the Old Testament, Genesis 1-2, he's actually referred to as Ruach. Can everyone say Ruach? You gotta kinda use your like guttural throat sound, it's fun. Um, so Ruach is used in Genesis 1-2 where the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And this is important, right? Because sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is just in the New Testament, but that's not right. The Holy Spirit was from the beginning, right? The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and Jesus. He's eternal, right? He's all-powerful all-knowing, and so the Holy Spirit was there from the beginning, creating the world. Um, we can go to the next slide. Yes, so he's there creating the world. Now we can go to the next one. <laughs> Thank you for bearing with me, guys. Um, so we know that he's in the Old Testament, but we know also that he actually wrote scripture. So the Bible says that all scriptures got um, inspired by God. And in the New Testament, it actually says this. It says that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is really important to understand because it helps us discern when God is speaking to us. Now, how many people have ever heard like, oh yeah, God, God told me this? Right? How many have ever wondered whether God actually told them that thing? Right? How do we discern whether or not it's the Holy Spirit talking to us? Well, if we know that the Holy Spirit is God, and we know that the scripture is inspired by God, and we know that God does not change, then we know that if someone is telling us something that contradicts scripture, that is not from God. I will tell you this is so important to understand because you will encounter people that will tell you that scripture says something it doesn't, but you will also hear a lot of times that God told someone something and it does not align with scripture. This is why it is so important that you're in your Bibles reading scripture, right? So the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. We can go to the next slide where Jesus actually talks about the Holy Spirit. Okay, as you can tell, I'm kind of running through quickly, giving you a survey of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and then we're going to hone in on where and how this connects to you. Okay, so Jesus in John 14 and John 16 mentions the Holy Spirit to his disciples. Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. Now, I told you that it was going to be relevant what I do for a living, and it is now, okay? Because as an attorney, I'm an advocate for someone. All right, what I do as an attorney is I mostly represent women and kids who have been abused. All right, 
someone has hurt them physically, someone won't leave them alone. And I get them these things called restraining orders. You've probably heard of them. It's a super fun job. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love being able to advocate for people who need it. But part of my job is I go to court, right? And I stand before a judge, and the judge asks me a question, Attorney Johnson, right? What does this person want? What, you know, have you resolved your case? And when I first get to court, I meet with my client. And my clients usually are really scared which makes sense, right? Because they have to go before someone in a black robe and they have to maybe tell them their story. And they also have to face someone that they really don't like and they're really afraid of. So my clients often are really scared. Sometimes they're shaking. And they ask me a lot of times, hey, when the judge calls my case, will you answer for me? And I'm like, yeah. I stand up and I tell them that you're here. I tell them that I represent you. I'm their advocate, right? When the case goes to trial, if it goes to trial, I stand up and I say, Your Honor, I call this person to the stand, I ask her questions, but at the end I give this closing argument, which is where I tie everything together and I explain to the judge why the judge needs to give my client the relief that she's asking for. So what I want to tie in here is the Holy Spirit does the same or similar thing for you. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you have repented, been baptized, if you've invited Jesus into your heart, you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Did you know that when you don't have words to pray, that Holy Spirit prays for you? So when you feel like you don't know what to say when you're praying, you feel overwhelmed, it's awkward, silence. Did you know the Holy Spirit prays for you? It says in scripture, the Holy Spirit prays with sounds that maybe we don't understand. Groanings, I think it says too deep for words. That's such a comfort, right? It's kind of like how my clients feel, I think, you know, because they tell me after court, it, you know, it's just a relief having you here, just having someone here, feeling like someone's representing for you. You're not in it alone. The Holy Spirit is that for us. He speaks up for us. The Holy Spirit, Jesus also tells his disciples, is a reminder of truth and a teacher of truth. I do this with my clients. I tell them, hey, this is what's going to go down, right? He's going to testify after you do. And there's a chance that after you testify, he's going to be able to answer, ask you questions. And it's going to be hard. But let me just tell you, like, that might happen. And this is how you deal with that, Right? I tell them, remember, this is the statute. This is the law. This is what's true in North Carolina to get this. Remember this. Keep this in your mind, right? The Holy Spirit does something similar. Remember that Jesus told you you were loved. Remember that you don't have any condemnation because you have been delivered from sin. Remember that you are adopted and you belong. The Holy Spirit reminds you of truth when you encounter those things that are really stressful or hard and you feel like you're going to forget them. Jesus said that it would be better for us, for him to leave, so that the Holy Spirit could come. How many of you have ever wished that Jesus would just show up in person again? Right? Like, 
it would be great if I could just bring Jesus to coffee and ask him a few questions or be like, see, Tiffany, he's real. I told you. Like, it would be really great to be like, man, my BFF is Jesus and we hang out all the time. And he just reminds me of truth and he's just there when I need him and he gives me a hug when I feel lonely and we just hang out. I play video games with Jesus in my free time. I mean, sometimes we feel like it would just be nice to have that presence. But Jesus tells us, he tells his disciples that it would be better if he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. So what that leads me to believe is if we feel maybe like it's not better, then we're missing something. That we're not tapping into what Jesus promised about the Holy Spirit. The next thing is that Jesus, or the Holy Spirit actually was the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. All right, so in the New Testament, I believe it's Romans, it tells us in Romans 8:11 that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is a spirit that lives in you and me. So if we have power living in us, a power that raised someone from the dead, that should change how we view things in life. If we really believe that, that should change everything about how we view ourselves, about how we interact with people, about what's causing us stress and anxiety. Hey, if I have someone, a spirit who raised someone from the dead in me, I don't need to be so stressed out about, you know, whether I'm going to win a case next week, because I know God's got it, right? So then, after Jesus talks to his disciples, he dies, he rises again, and then he goes back to heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And then this is where it gets interesting, because this is where the Holy Spirit arrives on scene in the Bible, in the New Testament. Now, remember I told you, this isn't the first time the Holy Spirit has shown up, okay? But this is where he's showing up in a new way, as promised by Jesus. So we're going to look at Acts 2. And I'm going to read it. And it's going to be on the screen. We're going to take it a few sections at a time. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to jump around. But there are some really important things I think that we need to gather from this passage in order to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and why that's important for you when you go back to Wilson Christian or CCS or public, the, I'm still learning the public schools. I'm sorry. I just moved here, okay? Like Pike and, yeah, Pike, yeah, yeah. We're just, we're just going to move on. Okay, let's go to Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Everyone make a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Thank you. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is wild. I don't know what this looked like with the tongues of fire kind of deal. I looked online, I googled, right, like Acts 2 pictures for my PowerPoint. I got some really funky looking ones where they're just like icons of fire. And I was like, I don't know if that's biblical, so maybe we won't put that on screen. But we don't know what it looks like, but we know that it was different, right, than how the Holy Spirit showed up. He showed up as a dove 
When Jesus was baptized, he showed up as a spirit right hovering over the waters in Genesis 1-2. And now he's showing up and there's this wind and tongues of fire. And I think we need to catch this because what we need to understand is that sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up differently, but he's God, we're not, and he gets to decide how he shows up, right? It's up to us how we're going to decide how we're going to respond to that. Let's keep reading in Acts 2. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it mentions all these different countries that we're gonna skip over because they're hard to say. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does it mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. We need to catch that sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves, it confuses people or it leads people to accuse. So if the Holy Spirit moves in your life in a way that doesn't make sense, and people are like, hmm, I wonder if that's God, or like, maybe they're drunk. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the Holy Spirit. Again, you need to dis use discernment, right? Look at scripture, talk to mentors. But just because people are confused or accused, just because you're confused, doesn't mean that maybe it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not the power of God moving in that situation, okay? So this crazy stuff is happening. People are talking in different languages they, they didn't know a little bit ago, right? People are accusing them like saying, y'all are drunk. And so how, is, how are the disciples going to respond? Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, aka it's not happy hour yet, guys. They're not drunk. Peter says, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So God knew that this was going to happen, right? He's saying, y'all killed Jesus. He died he rose again, and what you're seeing here now is the Spirit of God. I think it's important that we catch that this Peter is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. Now we know, right, that Jesus forgave him, but if you've ever thought, I'm not qualified for the Holy Spirit, I think you need to take a look at Peter, because that's not true. We serve a God of grace, right? who doesn't give a track sheet of our sins. And so the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit moves in Peter and Peter shares the gospel, 
which is another really important thing to catch. When the Holy Spirit moves, he makes a big deal about Jesus. He doesn't make a big deal about the people that are using those gifts, right? Because it's not about Tyler or it's not about Logan, right? It's not about Robin. When we have these gifts and we use them, it's about the Holy Spirit and it's about making God great. And it's making sure that he alone is glorified. So if you're wondering how these people responded, I've got good news. The Bible tells us. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart, so they're convicted, right? I mean, they've just been told that they killed Jesus. I think I'd be convicted too. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, so this is important. If you've ever wondered how do I receive the Holy Spirit, listen up, okay? Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. We're the people that are far off, right? Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's crazy. I mean, I know we've probably heard this story, like, a lot, and it's easy to think, like, yeah, the Holy Spirit moved, and it was in the New Testament, we've heard this story a lot, and, like, 3,000 people came to Jesus. That's a lot of people. I mean, if we really take a step back and look at what happened here, they're all speaking in different languages, right? People are confused. They're being called drunkards. Peter gets up, shares the gospel, and then 3,000 people come to know Jesus. When the Holy Spirit shows up, this is what can happen, this kind of revival. But it doesn't just end with people getting saved, right? Because when we keep reading, it says they devoted themselves. These are the people that became Christians, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So it didn't just end, right? It didn't just end with salvation. This revival sparked this kind of generosity and fellowship that's just unheard of. I mean, if you look at this, right, they're like, hey, I don't have enough food to feed my family. Someone else is like, hey, I got you. I don't have a way to get to work. You can borrow my donkey or however they commuted during this time, right? I mean, it's just this idea of community. You need something, I'm going to satisfy it. And when I read this, I thought of the verse where Jesus says, they will know you by your love for each other. If this were happening today in Wilson, if there were a church in Wilson, right, where this was happening, where this kind of generosity was happening, where literally no one in that church had a need, 
If you surveyed the church, they could not find one need in that because of the generosity. People would want to go to that church. Right? So if we look at this and it challenges us and we're like, man, I would like to see more of that. I think we should wrestle with it. I think we should ask ourselves, maybe why don't we see that? And I think then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do a work that only he can do so that our churches start looking more like that. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it leaves people that are never, leads to people that are never the same. Because people start doing things that they wouldn't have done before. Like not eating for a day so that their neighbor can eat. Like giving up things that they don't want to give up because they're being called to because someone else has a need. Right? People start pouring out these fruits of the Spirit and it doesn't make sense to people like humans, but it makes sense in the eyes of God because these just naturally happen when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know a few things about how this applies to you. Because you may be thinking, yeah, Anna, this is great. You just shared a bunch of scripture. But like I have to go to school or like I have softball or um, another sport, basketball. I'm also not an athlete, so I'm just coming up with this on the spot. And it went very smoothly, right? Um, and how does, but the, how does this apply to me? Right? It applies in a lot of ways. I want you to remember what Jesus said, which it was better for him to go and that he didn't leave us as orphans. That there are a few things that the Holy Spirit does for us as our advocate that are talked about in the New Testament. He transforms us, right? So we just start bearing this kind of fruit that doesn't make sense. Like, wow, I'm just kind all of a sudden, right? Because we're spending more time in the word of God and we're asking him to lead us and that changes our hearts and so we're kinder to people around us. He empowers us. It says in scripture that it gives us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control and not of fear. So if you're in this place tonight and you've experienced fear today, I'm here to tell you that the spirit of God is not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he empowers us to do things. He reminds us of our identity, that again, we are not condemned but we are children of God, we are beloved by him. And he prays for us like we talked about. So you may be here tonight and you may just take this one thing away. And honestly, that would be fine with me. If you just took away the fact that, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit prays for you, like all the time, and he cares about you, and he's here to be a comforter to you, I'd be pretty thrilled if you remembered that, that like a week from now. That Jesus cared so much for you that he didn't just die for you and conquer death, but he cared so much that he sent a spirit that would remind you when you're at school that you are a beloved child of God. So that whatever happens, you are not alone. If you want the Holy Spirit in your life, if you're like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. If you want to see that kind of revival happen, 
it really starts with surrender. Peter said, right, if you want, if you, how do you respond to this? People are like, yeah, this, sound, you know, this is crazy. They're cut to the heart. How do I respond? He says, repent, which is a turning away from, like doing a 180. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. So first you need to ask yourself, have you repented? Have you said, yeah, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, and I know you guys have heard this a lot. Have you been baptized? Look at what we have over here that is happening on Sunday. This is called opportunity, right? This is opportunity knocking. If you're interested in baptism, do you know who you can talk to? You can talk to Pastor Mike, and I know all of you know who, what he looks like. Right, so you see this is opportunity knocking. This is the person you can go to if you wanna be baptized who are interested in it, right? Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you're like, yeah, and I've done those things, but I'm still not really feeling it, what do I do to really learn more about the Holy Spirit? Like I said before, be in the Word of God. He wrote it. If you got a love letter, right, you'd probably want to read it. If you want to learn about someone, like your best friend, you'd probably go on their TikTok, their Instagram. If you want to learn about the Holy Spirit, open up your Bible, right? Invite, Invite him into your life. Like in the morning, I challenge you for the next 30 days, get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this day. Please move and lead me. That's it. Surrender doesn't have to be complicated. Surrender is very simple. Just asking him to lead you, and then when he leads you, being obedient. That's the hard part, right? I'm convinced that hearing from God is not where we get hung up. It's actually obeying him. That is difficult. Because God tells us a lot of things to do in the Bible that are really clear. We don't necessarily get hung up about reading the Bible. Sometimes it's actually like living it out. Because it's really clear what we're supposed to do. All right? Worship. Like I said before, the Holy Spirit loves when we make a big deal about Jesus. So try switching out that music that you're listening to with some more worship music. Make a big deal about Jesus in your day-to-day life. When you pray, be honest, whether you need to write it down or speak out loud. Sometimes I feel like we pretend for God and we act like Adam or Eve in the garden and we kind of play this hide and seek game and we think that God in the Garden of Eden maybe have been like missed a bush or something. Because we're like, well, I don't, I, I just, I don't need to be completely honest. Or we're just embarrassed or we feel awkward. So we just kind of cover that up. If you go home tonight and you're like, man, I'm going to pray to the Holy Spirit, but it feels uncomfortable. Tell him that it feels uncomfortable. Holy Spirit, I'm trying to talk to you, but it kind of feels uncomfortable. He knows you feel uncomfortable. You don't have to hide it. Like, he knows it. The only person you're hiding from is yourself. Be blatantly honest with God when you pray. Okay, that's going to help with intimacy, just knowing. Because, like, if you have a best friend and you're not honest with them, right, that doesn't foster or grow that kind of connection if you're never honest with them. Be brutally honest with God and the Holy Spirit when you pray. The last thing that I would tell you and challenge you to do is that Pastor Mike gave us that spiritual gifts test right, where we would learn our spiritual gifts and then maybe learn how to apply them. I want you all to know this, so everyone look up at me, right, pay attention. You are a valuable and pivotal part of the body of Christ. 
The gift that you have that has been given to you by the Holy Spirit matters. New Testament, right? We are told that you, you should not let anyone look down at you because you're young, but be an example. Set an example for me. Set an example for me about how I should follow Jesus. I can learn from you. I do learn from you. I learn from my sixth grade girls every week. So don't feel like you're too young to start serving in church or maybe you'll wait till you're older. Do it now. You are valuable and we need you as the body of Christ. All of these things, right, are connected by this idea of surrendering, of asking the Holy Spirit to move, and it all goes back to him. You can't white-knuckle yourself right, into a closer communion with God or closer connection or closer relationship. It's you saying, I'm trying to do this, but I'm asking you to show up, right? We show up, he does the work. I'm going to pray you out so you can go to your life groups, all right? I'm going to pray this verse over you, and um, I encourage you to just be honest with where you're at with your life group leaders, and challenge each other, hold each other accountable for how you're going to step out and pursue Holy Spirit, okay? For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You are sent to your life groups.